everyone, and welcome back to the American Israelite newspaper podcast, Let There Be Light podcast. I can't stop laughing because Julie is making funnies. <laughs> we're coming on the air, and she won't stop. And I'm like, could you, like, take a break? She's like, no, I can't. Anyway, I'm one of your co-hosts, Neton L. Ted Deutsch, and I'm here with my other co-host, Julie Babs Bernsonbrook, and welcome to 420. It's a okay, wonderful I it's day. Your, I know it's on your mind, okay? At 4.20 this afternoon, what will you be doing? I'll be in a car driving to Mecca. No, okay, I thought you'd be doing something else at 4.20, which is normally what other people do at 4.20. When the, the clock hits 4.20, they do something else. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. And, and speaking we have of a, young, young people, we have a young <laughs> rabbi with us. Yeah. Please introduce yourself, rabbi. Well, hi, thank you for having me on the show. I'm Rabbi Austin Zoot from the Valley Temple, and I'm glad to be here. And not only is he from the Valley Temple, but he is a lawnsman of mine. He is from <laughs> the Mecca, Chicago, Illinois. Stop calling. Just Chicago, okay? Oh, you know, anybody from Chicago is thrilled to tell you they're from Chicago. Well, my, the mom, my mom grew up in South Bend. There you go. That's she Indiana. She spent a lot of time in, because in, uh, a lot of family was in Chicago. Uh, Aunt Bessie and her husband. And Aunt then, Bessie. Oh, my God, I lived, didn't know. She lived on uh, uh, Lakeshore Drive. I used to go, when I was a kid, I would visit her, and she had a nice apartment on Lakeshore. I mean, A beautiful view. It was beautiful. I mean, it was very nice. I used to go there. One of the best things about Chicago, though, is Romanian. Kosher. Kosher, Romanian kosher. The food there is, you know, I... I and now know. Hungarian kosher is called something like Hungarian, someone's yeah. tent. Yeah. Really oh, they good. They changed the name. They changed the name. Yeah, it's Someone somebody's tent. It. Someone bought yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's like you can get ready-made food there that's just delicious. So Anything ha- you can right think. now it's Passover. How's are you eating? You know, I've been you, pretty good. Pretty good. I made a recipe last night that I was sure that I was using the right noodles, but I, you know, sometimes you make mistakes. They weren't the. Uh, <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. It's the spirit of you, it. Right. You, now Remke did have some. Uh, they had some uh, Passover uh, noodles. Passover yeah, noodles. I used them in my. They're, they're gone. It's like you, when you they put them out, if, and you're there that day. You just have to buy whatever they got because if you go back a couple, it's all gone. I mean, it's just gone. You have well, to buy whatever. What's for gone my from Passover there. seder, I adapted a New York Times recipe for mushrooms that called for rice noodles, but I actually used Passover noodles. It was pretty good. It was I think yeah, everyone's I think it's favorite. Pretty much tastes the same. Yeah. Well, no, the the Passover noodles get like this mushy stuff it on the a, outside. Yeah, it's is a, that like, like like a gluten? Kind I don't of know. A it's a mushy thing. thing. You got to be real good. You got to really you pay have to attention. wash them. Yeah. yeah, I think after you boil them, you have to wash them to get all that stuff off. So, but Rabbi, yeah, how was your Passover seder? So I uh, I usually go either to my own house uh, in Chicago or to my in laws. And this year uh, we had the community seder at the temple, so I stayed in town, and I was uh, lucky enough to get to go to Rabbi Kopnik's house for seder and. It was such a great moment to experience the joy of the holiday, right? The uh, the celebration of how how fun it is to, yeah, to sit it, together and, and enjoy a holiday and be around people who are glad to be there. It was a real treat. How many people were there? I uh, weighed about 20, 20 that's plus. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's a good a size. Good, good size. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I, I noticed also that talking on a microphone or being recorded is nothing new to you. You actually have like a weekly something that you, uh, a show that you're doing right. and you have you put on your sermons or you talk about a topic. Tell us a little bit about what you do, your, your video. Sure. So uh, when I was in high school, uh, my father and I were talking about my career aspirations and, and uh, I already was pretty clear that I wanted to go into Jewish work. Huh. And uh, I started a blog. And so for the past 10 years, 15 years, I've really worked on how do we use modern technological tools right. to try and bring in a demographic of people 
who might be interested in what we have to offer in Judaism, but might not know to come get it. And so I, uh, I have started a YouTube series. I, mm. I call it my video bo- podcast that is an opportunity to bring Jewish content to a demographic of, demographic of people who might not by themselves walk into a synagogue, but this is our way of making them feel at home with our ideals and our values and making it just a little less intimidating to say, I'm here, I'm ready to play. Um, we, we talk about, on, on the show, I, I try and really focus on what makes Judaism joyous, what makes it exciting, how does it respond and react to real contemporary issues, because Judaism, when done best, is a lens through which we can view our, our lives and uh, bring meaning. So uh, I, I've really enjoyed the process of using both written tools and audiovisual tools to try and make Judaism accessible. And this was something you also studied in college. You didn't just do Jewish studies at Indiana is well known for his Jewish studies. My husband also got a minor in Jewish studies at Indiana. Very well known for its Jewish. In right. fact, they advertise in the yeah, Israelite. A couple times, But yeah, you also yeah. learned uh, something else while you were at college. Right. I was a double major, Jewish studies and telecommunications. Uh, okay. it, was, it was always an interest of mine. How do we use modern technological tools to put out our ancient wisdom? Because uh, I think the, the Jewish people over time have honed something really beautiful and something, something perfect. And our job is not to necessarily uh, mess with the tradition, but to make the tradition accessible. Again, put it out in the ways that we love to use this expression, meet people where they are. But we can't do that unless we're aware of where people are. And, right. uh, my, my mom my mom uh, went to Indiana along with uh, my Uncle Sidney and my Aunt Eileen. It was like they were all there at the same time. So, And, and I could have gone there, but there was uh, I went to Ohio U, which has a great uh, uh, communications uh School there. Too. I may not have been there at the same time. No, no, she was, she was there probably <laughs> like 1950-something. Right. I'm a little younger than that, but uh, it, it was certainly, I loved my experience. It's the Indian, and, well, the, the football team, the, the uh, basketball, basketball team probably team. went to a lot of those games. Right. Basketball is much Spitz. better than football. Mark Spitz. Mark Spitz is, uh, went there. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, uh, yeah, big so in the meantime, speaking of Zoom and recording and audio, you know, this was a Seder for most of us was the first time we've had Seder in two years. And I don't know about the right. two of you. I struggled a little bit with remembering things on how to do the Seder because we right. had done it by Zoom and we were a lot more relaxed. Uh, for AJC, this is also the right. first time right. in two years they got together and they had this wonderful community Seder that I got mm-hmm. to go to as part of the Israel. Light, yep. this intergroup Seder, and I sat at a table with one of the representatives from the AJC, as well as students from Ursuline Academy and St. X. So you're there, you were there for oh, with a media pass. Yes, I was there with oh, the media okay. pass. okay, so you can say thank you to Ted for that media pass for getting you that free lunch. That's right, the free uh-huh. lunch, which I offered to reimburse you for, but you <laughs> said, don't worry, it's free, you're media. Well, I said, well, well, then in return, I need to write a beautiful story about this beautiful Seder. <laughs> okay, so... The reason I like this photo so much is if you look on the left there, you'll see Sam Weiss. And that is the daughter of Dan and uh, Arielle Weiss, uh. who is the daughter of, uh, of uh, Jeff and Susie Zipkin. Okay. You so that's. Yes, yeah, Sam okay. is the son of. He's the son, son of. Son of Dan yes. and, and Arielle and, and the grandson of Jeff and Susie. Well, I have so to Sam, yeah. Sam is Sam, my main man. You say me? Yes, he is my main man. And every time I see Sam, I go, Sam, my main man. And he comes up and he gives me a high five. And, you know, he's the greatest guy there is. And then you also have Lana Resnick. And you have a city, uh, city, city councilman, Mark Jeffries. And, of course, our own famous Rabbi Mar- uh, Matthew Krause there. 
So and he's I, at UC uh, Judaic Studies. Yes, he's at UC, and I have to tell you that great photo. Sam and Lana he's the chanted the four questions in Hebrew so beautifully. I mean, yeah. it was the kind that brings you chills. Yeah, that was so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. But this picture, I think, expresses how really? we all felt being at that seder for the the room was alive with energy. People, mm-hmm. for some of us, it was the very first big thing we've done since COVID, and the room was alive. And it was it was a beautiful service. It was a beautiful mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. moment. Um, I really enjoyed my table. As I mentioned in the article, there was actually a Jewish girl that attends Ursuline Academy. And I was, you know, I know that there are, have been other Jewish students as well All as right. one of my neighbors is um, Sikh and their daughter goes to Ursuline. It's a, it's a school that is also open to including and okay. inclusiveness. And there's a teacher that has been there for years, Brenda Kahan. She's been a math teacher well, there for years. I wanted to point out was uh, the new regional directors, Justin Kirshner, and Naomi Rubin, who has run the uh, AJC office for years Amazing. and years. Amazing. Amazing. They, they did a wonderful job on the AJC Seder. And uh, I wanted to point that because it's a positive. Because the next story we get to is not so positive. And I wanted to focus on the positive because now is a time of our joy. Right. Absolutely. One of the, one of the joyous festivals uh, the Festival of Passover. Right. So I recommend that if you can go to the Seder next year, please okay. sign up and go. It's it's a it is not my first time being there, but it, this well, year the, was really special. Whole, maybe the whole Israelite staff will be there as a team next year. Next year. All right. So, What's the expression next year at AJC? Yeah. <laughs> next year in Jerusalem. Next, next year, year at, at the AJC. AJC. So how how many times have you been to Israel, Rabbi? I've been a total of three times. I had the chance to go before uh, my year in Israel, which was great. Uh, part of Hebrew Union College's uh, introduction program is you go right, to Israel right. for a year. And luckily, I had been on two separate occasions uh, as part of a Nifty delegation, mm-hmm. uh, the Reform Youth Movement, as well as uh, I went on Birthright. So I had the chance to encounter Israel as a, as a young person, experiencing it as a tourist, and then I had the chance to go to Israel as a person living there for a year, which mm-hmm. was a fascinating experience. It's an, immer- uh, an immersive experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was a little young to really embrace the, yeah. the year away, yeah. right? When you choose to go to rabbinical school at 22 years old, you, you are making some choices. And one of the choices mm-hmm. I made was I went and I treated it like a sociological experiment. I was very much in the mindset of what is it like to live here, which to some degree meant I was studying Israel more than I was living in Israel, okay. um, which I, I'm not sure if I got to do it again, I'd do that the same way, but right, it meant that like, my yeah. appreciation for the place and, and the people who live there and the culture that we create there was just so powerful and so meaningful. Uh, I really loved my time there. And you knew from my reading of your article that you wanted to be a rabbi at 12 years old. You already knew that you had this feeling. Um, did it did it show in your bar mitzvah? Did you do a little bit more than other children do? Did you want to be rabbinical up there when you were 13? Um, I, I loved the process of preparing for my bar mitzvah because it, would, it allowed me to see Judaism done well in the, in the classroom. I saw when students were invited to really connect, they did well. And when, when this was an obligation or something that wasn't so fun or meaningful, it, it really didn't work. And so I, uh, I really learned a love for that, that teaching and communicating and sharing. Um, by the time I had my bar mitzvah, I certainly was well prepared in the sense that uh, uh, we were regular attendees of services. And uh, I was at a congregation that was large enough and suburban enough that it, there were, there were, we occasionally had tendencies to be a little bar mitzvah factory. Um, and so clearly there was some 
there were, I enjoyed being immersed in that experience and really being present in that moment. Um, it's certainly not a comparative thing, but, yeah. uh, my bar mitzvah experience was a real sign for me that this, this was something I could enjoy. Um, I actually pivoted away from wanting to be a rabbi for a little while because uh, I thought it was the kind of thing you had to have like a superhero power for, right? You had to be uh, um, the most compassionate, the most kind, the most thoughtful, the most wise. And I, I just, you know, being a regular old teenager, I, I, I didn't see uh, anything extra special in who I was. And, and so I, I thought that I didn't have that extra step. Um, and it wasn't until I was in high school and I was involved in the Jewish youth group that I really got a sense for when you're picking a career path, you have to pick the place you can make the greatest impact. And most of my skills translated well to doing this rabbinic work. And uh, by the time I was about 16 or 17, I was pretty locked into, this is what I want to do, this is who I want to be, and this is the impact I want to make. And so you came here to HUC for your rabbinical education. You spent the first year in Israel. And now there's some changes to HUC, which is what our article is on page three. Page two, Yom HaShoah. Commemoration is coming up on Sunday, May 1st, which is, I think, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. And that's at the Mayerson JCC. So um, they will be honoring all the people that passed away in the uh, uh, Holocaust. And we have Maury Weiner coming to share his experiences of coming over. Is Um, he coming next week? No, he's coming in. Week after. Right, he's coming. That's during the week of the Yom. Uh, Next week is uh, guest host Pam Geller. Next week is guest host Pam Geller, and then it'll be followed. And Maury's going to come and talk about his experience coming here from Europe and growing up in Cincinnati and his volunteerism now. So you want to talk about now? I wanted to to have a positive article on the front page, and then everybody knows about this. We've all lived it and experienced it now that HUC has now decided – that they're going to uh, no longer take rabbinic students starting this fall and that the people who are there will cycle out over the next several years and the rabbinic program at HUC is being um, uh, mothballed. And, you so know, last speak. week we had Rabbi Ari Balaban talking about, you know, how he saw the future and he was very positive. He He's going to lean into it and he's okay. going to accept it and lean into it and I thought it was a very positive approach to how we're going to handle HUC. And I think the rest of us, it's, it's a, it's, it's for a, now it's, a, it's done. It right, doesn't mean things yes. can't change in the future, but we're going right. to try and lean into it. Well, let's hope that they decide to maybe bring it back in some form or another. Um, I hope that happens. Um, or to use or reposition or repurpose that campus for other studies or for a retreat center or some kind of element that they can use because you've got, you've got the uh, archives there, which is a wonderful resource, and the library there, which is another wonderful resource. So we, how do we get the most bang for our buck in using those resources here in Cincinnati, Ohio? I, it's, it's appropriate that you brought up Ari Balaban because Rabbi Balaban was at, on campus when I got here. Um, and one of the things that makes this campus so special is the connection that you make to older students who uh, become role models and become people you admire. And uh, Ari works for the school. And so it, it, it brings me joy and hope to know that he is seeing some hope. Um, for myself, I've, there's a lot of grief in the community. There's a lot of sadness. This is, a, this is not a moment that we were hoping for. Right. But now that we're here, 
we have the opportunity to look and say, how can we make sure that what happens next is in the best interests for our Cincinnati community, our Jewish community? Um, and there really is a lot of hope to be had. We're, uh, we're in a linchpin moment in the history of Ju Judaism. We're either going to adapt and advance and make this even more vibrant, or we're going to, to keep our eyes on the rearview mirror and sort of get stuck in the mud. And uh, while, while there was a time where theoretically we could try to petition to not have this happen, now that we're in this moment, I actually think uh, Ari has it right to say hope and aspiration is the right answer. And uh, this is step one of the creative process. We, well, we get to be really creative going well, I forward. Hope, I hope that your thoughts are with a lot of those board members that are voting on the future and voting on the plan for the future as to how to utilize the three, you know, the four campuses and how to best uh, go forward in terms of uh, um, teaching, you know, and being a college and, and what's the future for that college um, and all those different campuses. Absolutely. Leadership is hard and leadership yeah. requires integrity. And, and I, uh, I do believe in the people who are making these decisions and uh, yeah. they, they, they might have to defend some hard decisions, but as long as it's in pursuit of the best, I, uh, I think they'll wind up with the support of the Jewish community. On page four, we also talk about another young rabbi, Rabbi Drew Kaplan, who has been on our show a number of times and about how since he journeys helped them make their decision to move to Cincinnati, um, and one of the things is sending their children to camp. And I have to also say that Rabbi Zut and I have another thing in common. We both went to the same overnight oh, camp. Owen saying Ruby Union Institute, oh, Asrui, so Oconomowoc. Well, I, I'm not doing this for him, but I'm doing this for you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Julie. Because you hear birds at camp, right? <laughs> That's uh, it was very appropriate. Well, that was actually cricket. And oh. you hear Deb <laughs> and you hear Debbie Frieden speaking, singing, because that's where she was had come to camp a couple times when I was up there and yeah. to sing. And uh, she passed away. Yes, she did. Another but one you taken. Had, you, had, you got to listen to her when you were at camp every summer. Yeah, well, we camp. She, well, we sang her so songs. So now, so now it's April. We're done with Passover, and, we're, and then and then. Um, about, well, about two months from now, the kids will start, you know, April, I think May, I June. saw Camp Livingston said there's like 60 days left till camp okay, or something. Okay, yeah, they have one. a countdown on okay. Camp Livingston. So, so about two months June 1st camp. is a bittersweet day in my house because on one hand, it means the start of camp. And on another hand, it means my wife moves out to go to uh, Goldman Union Camp where she's the assistant mm -hmm. director. So uh, I'll, be a, I'll be an empty nest husband for a little while. But you'll while go out she for the to, Oh, I'll go have uh, plenty of weekend visits and I get to be on faculty for a while, which will be great. Yeah, because yeah. Barry had been the camp doctor at Livingston for many, many summers, and we used to send the kids up there, and we would come up on Saturday, and he would do some camp doctoring, and then we would turn around okay. and come back. Yeah, did, so did they get like sprains and poison ivy? Oh, we had appendicitis up there. Appendicitis. There was headlights. There was ear infections. Yeah, but you know, so he was just the rabbi. He was just the doctor on Saturdays because they actually had a pediatrician in town that took care of it, and they had an RN on staff. But on Saturdays, the rabbi was actually the doctor. I'm sorry, was actually. Orthodox, so they needed someone to come up on right, Saturday. Right, right, right. So right. in the meantime, on page four is our community calendar. And right. remember, in the future, anytime you see a blue event, that's our bicentennial events. Okay. Page five, you've got the YAMs. Right. Are coming up um, at the Marison JCC, and it gives you a schedule. And uh, so things are starting up for the YAMs on, I believe, May 1. That's Sunday, May 1. And we also have the continuation. So we are in April. This is our first fourth conversation with a rabbi right. and it's a, the story of rabbi zoot and it was written beautifully and it talks about the three things that you feel very strongly about kindness 
compassion and thoughtfulness. And that's how you decided to be a rabbi was to always focus on those three things. Well, when you're in the congregation and you're looking out and you're seeing what's going on in the congregation, what, what are some of your first thoughts that, you know, when you get there on a Saturday morning and look out? How do you prepare for your Shabbats? It's, it's funny that you mentioned Saturday mornings uh, because we have a, a Torah study group that meets on Saturday mornings that is really a perfect encapsulation of Judaism done well. Um, this is a group that contains about 10 to 15 people that alternate in. You know, we usually have about 8 to 10 show up on any given week. And the intimacy and the getting to know one another and doing meaningful Jewish work, you just, there are times where you step back as a rabbi and you hear this, this sacred noise happening in the room and the, the care that we have for one another. And um, I, I, I like to joke, and don't tell my, the president of my congregation, but um, if I could do this for free, I would, because it's just such a treat. It's such a joy for me. It's, it's uh, almost silly that I do this for a living because it, it is such an exemplification of, when Judaism is done with the most kindness and care for one another. And look, we're, we're talking about the Torah. We're wrestling with the ideas people bring with them. And, and sometimes that is right. confronting the Torah with, uh, why does it say this? It, this mm-hmm. makes me uncomfortable. Other times it's, this is incredibly beautiful, and how do I manifest this in my life? But um, Saturday mornings are maybe the best time for us to do that work. I also, as the uh, rabbi educator, Sunday mornings are particularly meaningful to me. Um, I run the religious school, and you can just feel this. Uh, I, I would like to guess no one likes waking up for Sunday school on Sunday mornings. By the way, sneaky secret, including the rabbi, nobody likes waking up at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But once you get to the religious school at Valley, there's such a sense of joy and community and love there that you you just people don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. You have the sense that we're doing the meaningful work and making making the world a better place by being there together and um, we're a small enough co- community that I am able to in- greet every single student who's coming in the door and ask them questions like how was your soccer game last week and how are you feeling and and we're able to create that sense of community that is exactly the calling card of what Judaism should be. How many how many families do you have at Valley Temple? We give or take we have about 250 congregational families. Mm-hmm. And how long has Valley Temple been in Cincinnati as a, as a synagogue? We've been in Cincinnati well over 50 years. Okay. So like the 60s. Right. Maybe all over yeah. 60 years. Yeah, like the fair 60s. enough. And, and Valley Temple, how did it start? Like, you know, there was a, in, I know on, on, in Amberley there was a Polish synagogue and a Russian synagogue. And what was the impetus for starting Valley? Do you know what started Valley Synagogue so Temple? So I'm, I'm sketchy on some of the oldest history, but I know mm. one of the things that really kept Valley vibrant throughout the community was that uh, our Rabbi Emeritus Saul Greenberg was one of the first rabbis in the community who was willing to do interfaith weddings. Okay, um, and and I love that about our community because it to me when a couple comes into your life and says hi, we'd like you to be part of our most sacred moment. Um, there are two options. There's either. I'd like to help figure out how to make Judaism meaningful to you, or there's let's go somewhere else because we're not welcome. Now, I'm not saying we should only do every wedding that's pitched to us, but I really take pride in the fact that Valley is a community that said, let's figure out how to make Judaism as accessible and meaningful to you as possible. And I feel incredibly lucky to, to work at a place that Rabbi Greenberg was able to create that really put as the center, we, we cherish your love, we cherish your respect for Judaism. Let's figure out how to make this work. And in a time where most congregations were saying, let's figure out how to make you work for us. And I think some of the spirit of Rabbi Greenberg went down to his son, Brad Greenberg, who's, who's a really admirable judge in our community who really has a good spirit about him 
and as being open and thinking about things as well. So all pretty, pretty cool. I have had the chance to meet Brad, but uh, it's very funny. Anytime I tell anybody I'm from Valley, uh, everyone wants to tell me about how great Brad is and and was as part of their lives, and uh, it's it's very cool. So I see him once in a while at Costco. (laughs) (laughs) But I was going to say something like, when you really love what you're doing, it's really not work. What you were saying before about I like going to work and all it's like if you really love, you know, going, you know, what you're doing, it really doesn't seem like work, but it's nice to get a paycheck when you, you know, it's like doing what you like to do. Right. There's a, there's yeah. a, there's a story as part of our tradition. Um, the concept of teaching Torah for a profession is, is uh, untoward because you can't get paid for doing a mitzvah. And so there's right, this right, concept right. in Judaism that is you aren't, I'm not paid to be a rabbi. I'm paid to not be anything else. I am given a paycheck in order to make sure that I can sustain my family so that I could be a rabbi for free. And I love that idea because it really allows me to centralize I'm doing work that I love doing and that I would do for free. But, you know, Dory deserves some place to live and some food to eat, and we deserve to be able to actually survive in this community. And so we (laughs) we get a paycheck in order that those things happen. But uh, I I certainly, if if all my needs were taken care of and I had to do this work for free, again, don't tell my congregational president that. It's a bad negotiating tool. But uh, I would certainly do it. So this week we have uh, another Yiddish column. And as always, Dr. Jordan Finken, he takes a twist on everything. This is, do you know there's like 50 words for fool in the Yiddish language? (laughs) An idiot. Yeah, he's got a million of them. I mean, the one Lockhead. I remember. Yeah, the one I remember from my from growing up. My father always used the word schmendrick. schmendrick. He always called someone a schmendrick. You drive by, you didn't like the. Does that schmendrick? So ridiculous fool. That was a big word in in our house. Um, schmendrick. Yeah. Will you get out of the? Will you turn on your turn signal there, schmendrick? And then below that, uh, Adith Israel dedicates a classroom to the former teacher, Scott Kabelkoff. So he was a teacher at Adith from 1997 to 2018, and he passed away very young at 44 years old. Um, but this class was dedicated to him. And one of the things that Daryl Woods, the former director of education, talks about is that, you know, how he got into some of the fun things that she remembers. One was the Megillah, that he really was, he was really into making the Megillah uh, every year. So I thought that was a... Yeah, a he- he was about my, I think he was about my age, because I think I knew him. Well, he was 44 it. when he passed away. Yeah, so. several years ago. Mm. Sad, very sad. May his memory be for a blessing. Yes, absolutely. So May his, may his neshama have an aliyah. Yes, so on page seven, yeah. we have a bad joke of the week that I wrote. Okay. <laughs> We're not even going to go into that, okay? You know, <laughs> People can look it up if they want. Well, it, it also talks about how... We have a list of people coming through yes, in the next yes, couple months. Yes, so yes. today, of course, is April 20th. Next week is Pam Geller. May 4th is Maury Weiner. On May 11, we have Sherry Gorin-Slavin coming, and she's part of that new Leaders in Light and Beyond Civility, and she's also a mediation attorney. On May 18th, we have the new regional director of the AJC, okay. Justin Kirshner, and we have a special episode. It will be a short podcast on Friday, May 20th. We will be taping Rabbi Sally Priestland is coming to our offices here at the Israelite to talk about her 50 years in the rabbinate. Now, so you'll be back and forth between here and Mecca, yeah, no, Chicago, I, yeah. and so I, you know we might need a guest host to replace you. No, I'm going to be here oh, for all of them be, oh, except for be, next oh, week. Oh, oh, you're going to be here. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I we're. Just, 
I just want to check and see if my, you know. Uh, I'll let my, you know when I'm going to yeah. be gone. Okay. I'll let Th- you know. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So our <laughs> next our next conversation with the rabbi is Rabbi Elena Stein, and she is the chaplain at Jewish Hospital. And I've been we up are... to Jewish Hospital a lot lately. Oh. Well, because I go there for my PT on my shoulder. Oh, your shoulder. Okay. And then I was there yesterday, and I had to pick up my um, disc for my whole body scan when I do the nuclear medicine to find out about my shoulder. Blah, so in blah, your blah. free time, do you go over no. your disc so and look at it? I, I'm going to do that. So uh, <laughs> I was, I was, wa- I was went downstairs to get the disc. You go down to the radiology department. They, okay, hold on. They get you this disc. And I, I, I will have to use the restroom. I went down the, uh, the hallway to the restroom came out, and I saw that there was a sign that said Shalom room. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I went in there and I'm looking around, and they have different, uh, you know, they have a, a Quran in there. Yeah. They had a, a different stuff for. It's uh, a room for meditating. Tech, and I, and I went and did a little meditating in there for a few minutes, and and I was thought of Doctor, I mean, sorry, Rabbi uh, Elena Stein. Stein, and I thought of her, and that was that's her room. Yeah. And um, so I was just thinking about that because it all came together, and um, it's just it was just like a little kind of a two minute experience I had there. That was really nice, and then I left. And, right, uh, it's and a beautiful facility. It really in there. is. It's a nice little room, and it's 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 nice that they have that room there. Absolutely, really and it cool. was paid for by the Jewish Foundation. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. So on June first, we are looking for another guest. So if you'd like to be on the podcast and you have something that you want to share on air with us, please let us know. On June eighth, we will be saying Lahitra O to Rabbi Benjamin Scheidel, who is actually going to be doing a fellowship in how to be a chaplain. Uh, again, on the 15th, we are again looking for another guest host. And on the 22nd, we've got Jackie Congito. I think Congito. I've got an idea for some guest hosts there. Okay, well, let me know. Let me know. But in the meantime, everyone should read my bad joke of the week that oh, I God. wrote. Oh, no. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving right along. So there's a lot of stories politics, going on. in politics. Uh, and then. Uh, there's a war going on in Ukraine right no, now. No, really? Yeah. So if they don't plant those seeds, you do realize that not only is there going to be a war, but there's going to be some famine in the Ukraine famine. because the Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. Yeah, and that's where the wheat is going to be. And if it doesn't I, I get think, planted, I think that the uh, there's going to have to be a ceasefire put in place soon enough. And I don't know what needs to be done to put that ceasefire in place. Maybe sending a cruise missile to like the, maybe uh, put out Putin. Well, I, I think if I was the president, I would be moving my fleet over to his backyard and sending him a little message and maybe... But what uh, don't we worry about the nuclear weapons he has? And I don't think he's going to start The fact that he doesn't seem to be quite if stable? Back, if he doesn't back down, I don't know if it's stability. I think it's... Uh, I would say instability is what it is. I don't know if it's instability. I who think would do something of, like this? Who would take an entire country and level it down so that there's nothing left, not a school... Not a church or a synagogue. He's even bombing the wheat fields. Who would do something like that in this day and age? I, I don't have an answer for you, but I will think about it and have an answer for you by the time you return from Chicago with a whole order for me from Romanian. Mm-hmm. I will give you my order. I want some, uh, uh, well, I definitely want some roast beef, corned beef, pastrami. I'm a vegetarian. Well, so you can stop there. You don't have to eat anything. You just buy stuff when you're there. They have really good uh, chopped liver. Mm. Oh, that's the best. I used to like chopped liver. Best. All right, so there's a in the Israeli news, there is a, still some um, some events, I guess you'd say, that are Numerous happening. Numerous events. People are being shot and killed and wounded in uh, different uh, places in Israel. 
it's just like springtime and people are like just going crazy and, it's and like harming splash. other people. Yeah. Um, it's happening here in Cincinnati. I, you know, I watch the news every night and there's always somebody doing something to somebody else every day of the week. It's like. So Rabbi, at, at Valley Temple, have you guys done exercises and protecting yourself and, and just in case? Unfortunately, we live in a world where we have to take the security issues very seriously. And uh, we're lucky enough to be supported by different organizations that help us uh, ensure we have security presence at all times. And we've uh, had some trainings for the congregation to make sure that we're all on the same page for what happens if something uh, something occurs. Um, it's actually a really hard balance to strike yeah, because we, we try and create a really joyous, loving place. And yet we, we can't be so uh, siloed that stick, we forget. You can't stick that, your head in the sand and think right. it's not going to happen here. Yeah, and you think it's such a little town, Cincinnati, but yet it happened in a little town in Texas. Yeah. So when you first came to Cincinnati, um, what were your first thoughts and how has living in Cincinnati changed you? Sure. Uh, You're living in Clifton. No, actually, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, okay. we've always lived up in the suburbs. Okay. Uh, we, my wife and I just bought a house in Norwood. Okay. Um, but we, we started out in the Pleasant Ridge area. That's where I live. Yeah, there you yeah, see. Yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. we loved it very much. Very uh, nice. And when we first got here, I, from the transition from Israel, which was oh, such yeah, a culture yeah. shock, mm-hmm. come back to Cincinnati, felt like little Chicago, right? It, it felt very comfortable. It's, it felt very at home. It's like a little small town. Right. It? I like to joke, my wife is from the Southwest and I'm from Chicago. So winter was a vacation for me and a trauma for her. <laughs> and so she, we had to discuss the difference between snowing the noun, there's actually snow on the ground, as opposed to snowing the verb, it's just coming down, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but we... we very much we're in wait-and-see mode when we moved here. It was an adventure. We, we loved being here together. It was a great way to start our... our uh, we, we got engaged right before we moved, so it was starting a new chapter of our lives. And uh, it became very clear as we r- approached ordination that we could see a life here, and, and our community was starting to form here, and uh, we decided when it was time to, to pick where to go next, Cincinnati was not only the front runner, but was the easy, obvious choice. Very cool. And I had been an intern at Valley, uh, the, the, it's my fifth year of school, and uh, we were able to work out a deal that allowed me to stay, and it was Very just good. such a gift. And the Cincinnati community, I, I come from a place where you choose congregations for lots of reasons, including geography. Right. Now, Cincinnati, you don't choose a right, reform like- congregation for geography because they're all within a mile of each other. But... That also means that there's this this culture of togetherness. We're all working together, but there's also that vibe of, you know, we're all trying to offer something unique and something special. And I, I particularly cherish my colleagues in that way because uh, we, I, I truly have some incredible colleagues in this city, both at Valley and, and elsewhere. And uh, that is what makes this community so special to get to be a rabbi here. Yeah. So I have a funny story about Norway. When my son was in kindergarten, my oldest son, Lauren, he, the, he comes home and he, tells, he says to me, Mommy, mommy, there's a new boy, and he's from Norway, and he's, he moved to Blue Ash. So I get to the school one day, and, and there is this mother of the new boy, and I, I said to her, so how do you like living here? She goes, oh, I love it a lot. And I said, so if you're from Norway, I don't hear an, an accent. She goes, we're from Norwood. Not Norway. <laughs> they, weren't, they moved from Norwood to, <laughs> to Blue, Blue Ash. Okay. Not Norway from Blue to Blue Ash. I okay, bet the moving. movers were cheaper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> moving, moving right along. So this week I wanted to run the uh, all the co- all the coloring contest uh, participants again this week because um, we don't have a we don't right during the now because uh, Mark's Hot Bagels is being remodeled we right. usually put them up on the wall there. 
And so people won't be able to see them. So I wanted to run it again this week. And there's a lot. If you hadn't seen them last week, you need to check them out this week because there's a really a lot of good artwork in there. And some of them you even wanted to mention. You really like the one on page. Uh, the one I think was page 17, 17 where it said, Jack, save Matzakind. <laughs> He's a nine years old or 10 years old. He's Maybe 10 years so. old and it's save Matzakind. <laughs> and he's showing all the different colors of matzah holding hands. And uh, and a big heart on the earth, and I there's just something really special. Also, I on page fourteen, Etan, age twelve, just yeah. sketched out Moses splitting the okay the well, Red you, Sea. I, if I you like remember, that. No, if you remember, like four or five years ago, that was the winning thing. So this oh. is actually like a redo of that same one from five years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's it's the exact same picture. <laughs> I like it. We'll just it. move right along. I like it. Moving along. All right, so let's get to uh, Rabbi Shlomo Rishkin, who is talking about the last days of Pesach. And he's pretty much, he's talking about that the word for a roundabout path is also the same root. It has the shoresh, right. as Rabbi Zut reminded me, of the word reclining. Huh. And that's an interesting two, those two words are the same. But this, okay. this, year, this week, the Sedra of the week is about the last days of Pesach. Right. And we've already talked about the fact that now a new holiday, it's not a new holiday, Mimona is one that will be now celebrated. It's a Moroccan, the end of Passover holiday. And it's becoming a, a thing now to learn about that. And we're learning about so a new, new Jewish Saturday holiday. Saturday night is the la- at, at sundown, uh, sundown is the, the end of Pesach. And a lot of places uh, have, like, pizza night. Right. They'll have pizzas. But now we're going to start doing this Mimona um, event. Uh, Ish is having one, and also Adith Israel is having one. So it's probably going to spread to next year, like... um, Wildfire. Right. And so they'll be all over the place, like, either pizza night or or Mimona, and uh, it'll become a tradition. So we are beginning history here. For this new event. Min- it's not a new event. Okay, it's, it's one not that new, we're appropriating. It's new, to, it's new in Cincinnati. Yes. It's appropriating in Cincinnati. <laughs> so, um, Rabbi, I do have a question. I get confused every year. Reform and conservative and Orthodox end Passover on the same day? So, no. So, uh, Reform Jews usually uh, end after seven days. Okay. We are commanded to have a seven-day Chag in the, uh, in the Torah. Uh-huh. But historically, there was some... Uh, there was some, uh, what's the word, discrepancy. Uh, if you live in a walled city as opposed right. to an unwalled right. city, there right. was a difference in how the messengers would come and tell the people when it was done, mm-hmm. right? If we weren't starting on time, we couldn't right. end on time. Right. And the more uh, orthodox streams of Judaism like to cover all the bases and make sure that, uh, that we're halachically perfect. Right. And so they do eight days as an insurance day. Mm-hmm. Reform Jews look up at the sky, and we have the scientific evidence to say, yes, in fact, the moon is where we think it is. And so we're going to do what the Bible tells us, which is we're going to do the seven. Now, for me, my personal belief, however it makes sense for you and your community, the holiday is meant to bring meaning and intention. If you get seven days and you get that meaning and intention and you're ready to go, then we're good. If that eighth day provides that additional layer of meaning and intention, I I think game on for that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because I always get confused on 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 
because so, you know when I was a child, first we belonged to a conservative synagogue, and then we switched to a reform synagogue. So it just added to the confusion. Absolutely, right, right. and and you know the confusion doesn't necessarily serve the Jewish world well in the sense that we we don't want people to feel like they don't know what's expected of them right. when we use the language of God asks us to. It puts a lot of pressure on people, and uh, my hope is that we take some of that pressure off and make it. You know, seven days is a, is a wonderful expression of the holiday, and if that eighth day is the way your family or your tradition or your community does it, all the, all the better. All right, so we are on page 20. Which is our favorite page the, all right, from so the pages. All right, so we are at uh, the Jewish Bicentennial for this week. So each week the American Israelite will print one milestone related to the history of the Cincinnati Jewish community over the last 200 years provided by the Cincinnati Jewish Bicentennial Committee. Each milestone weaves Jewish history within the greater context of our community's development and our country at large. This is 1917, 1917. So the First World War has just ended, roughly. Uh, the Helen S. Trounstein, 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 T-R-O-U-N-S-T-I-N-E, Trounstein Foundation is established to memorialize the 27-year-old founder of Cincinnati's Juvenile Protection Association who died unexpectedly in 1916. We don't know how old he was. No, it's a female. Oh, and female, she, okay. Yeah, she was, she was okay. 27 when 27. she passed away. Oh, that's young. Okay, so in 1931, the foundation became division of the community chest, a predecessor of the United Way, which is still around now. So I tried to find out anything I could about Helen Tronstein. So it seems to me that she wrote some books. She was very interested in social problems of children back then, mm -hmm. of juveniles, and protecting juveniles. But there, there's a lot of people that refer back to her, but there was nothing that I could find. I did find that she still has living relatives. There still are Tronsteins. Um, most of them have moved out of the Cincinnati area, but that was the best I could do on her. So she was, so it's when it says the memorialized a 27-year-old founder, she founded it, and then she passed away. Well, no, no, it was named what? for her. Oh, because named for her. Named okay. for her, okay. yeah. Okay. Her family, yeah. Named it after her and then created in her name, mm -hmm. in her memory. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. All right. So you want to do 150 years ago? So 150 years ago, Varieties, Monday evening next, the Passover feast begins. We wish our readers happy holidays and the most pleasant Seder evening. So much has been written in this journal on the importance of this high feast that we have nothing to add. Liberty to all, liberty in the name of God, and eternal justice in its lesson, which we hope and pray all men may learn to appreciate. Four-fifths of all men still live in bondage, and only one-fifth, and only one-fifth only, wait, and, right, and one-fifth right, only right. consists of rulers of free men. So hard of hearing is man. They have eyes and not see, they have ears and not hear. Let us never get tired in teaching the great lesson of liberty. We are free. We are free men, free women. Uh, America is free. It's still free. Yep. All right. Um, then ladies' column? Well, yep, ladies' column, beware of purple. But also under 125 years ago, they talk about the Baroness de, de Hirsch. So she Baroness. Was, yes. So she was a wealthy woman. She married into the family of the Hirsches. And they were very, very generous because they had two children that didn't live to adulthood. And so um, she was a benefactor for a lot of places around the United States and the world that dealt with Jews. But in the ladies' column, beware of purple. The most fascinating and fashionable color becomes a horror in the hands of a novice and needs more than any other color the trained hand. So don't stick purple bows on yourselves. 
Don't stick a purple ribbon on any well, old that's thing. That's actually misspelled. There's a misspelling and, there, purple. Yes, and finally believe it looks like new, and it's possible to get a stylish and exceedingly up-to-date hat without purpose, although you would not think so when looking at the royal purple throng, It's it, but it is so nevertheless. So that is a play on words. You got purpose and purple there. Mm-hmm. They're playing off each other. I'm very glad I didn't wrong, wear the wrong colored shirt today. Purple, purple. Well, she has a purple uh, iPad cover. Yeah, I like purple. I, it's a great color to me, although the royal, I'm the royal purple. Right. So there's a guy I used to know. I like to say I'm queen of the Israelite. There you go. I, I, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I, no. That's <laughs> you no. have my blessing, but no, she's not allowed to bless her. <laughs> <laughs> she's too young for you. <laughs> All right, uh, too old. Anyway, um, my point is, I used to go to Adith Israel, and there was a guy there that always wore a purple yarmulke. Uh huh. Uh, do you remember who he was? No. I'll, I would walk in. You go in those doors to the left, and you come down the aisle. You always sit on the right on the aisle right there. Uh, he was about the tenth seat in, and I would always sit like a, a, a seat or two ahead of him when I go there. You know, always go. Sam Boymel. Oh, okay. He always wore a purple yarmulke. It might have like been one from one of his children's bar, bar yeah, or bat mitzvahs. Still, still or, wore it. Yeah. But he loved that yarmulke. I mean, every time I saw him, he has a he had a purple. He's the only guy I know that wore a purple yarmulke all the time. Wow. What yeah. color was yeah. you the theme? I'm sure because you're the same age as my children, you must have had a theme at your bar mitzvah. So for my bar mitzvah uh, celebration, we went to a baseball game. Okay. Which, uh, if you read the article on uh, page five, uh, baseball is a major theme for I me. I'm, I'm quite the aficionado. So. Uh, what do you think about the Reds this year? Oh, you know, I am a season ticket holder to the Cincinnati Reds oh. because it's really? cheaper to buy season tickets than it is to just buy the Cubs games. Um, <laughs> really? So we we that go says pretty regularly. About Cincinnati. Rabbi Ben uh. Israel and I uh, share the tickets, so of course the really? Friday night games go unused most of the time. But uh, right, right. <laughs> but. Um, it's, it's just, They're it's pretty bad, but you know what? Bad, yeah. The weather is nice. The hot dogs yeah, are but warm. You know, they, they it all tr- works they, out. The, the, the only they traded away all their hitters. They traded away like all their. Uh, I used to. I loved because uh, I was a third baseman. So a Henio Suarez, the th- he was like one of my favorite players. And then all those uh, the outfielders, they they traded away all their hitters. I mean, and then they traded away some of their pitchers. And it's like, right, and this was like leading up to opening day within the last, you know, as soon as the strikes, you know, the, the walk lockout, they, they saw within, between there and opening day, they got rid of like their whole half the team and they start, they're like, oh, and like seven or eight now. They've lost like every game. I believe they're two and 10 as okay, of they, recording. They won two games. Yeah, that, let's okay. not sell them short. But okay, uh, okay. I've already been to one game this year. The weather was great. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's about all I can ask for. Yeah. Okay, so between the Cubs and the Facts. Reds? Yeah, no oh, I'm a Cubs fan. Oh, I can don't, see if you were a North Side no, or a no, no. South Don't be sider. ridiculous. Yeah, I <laughs> double check that right <laughs> there course. and then. Uh, well, how, I, often, how often do the, the Reds play the Cubs this year? A bunch. They all they play a couple times. So every year the Cubs and Reds play about 18 or 19 times, and uh, it's usually half and half. So I want to okay. say there's nine or ten Cubs games here in Cincinnati. There was nothing better than a day game for the Cubs. You know, in the middle oh, of the day, yeah. sitting out in the bleachers, there was it's nothing better. It's my favorite better. Shabbat activity, right? The Cubs <laughs> are the only team in baseball that play afternoon games on Fridays. Uh-huh. And it's like uh, the perfect, you finish work early as a rabbi, you watch the Cubs game, and then you're ready for Shabbos. So besides baseball uh, and also doing your recordings, what other, other pastimes do you like to enjoy? Um, I'm a big fan of writing. I'm, okay. I, I would like one day to be a published author. It's a, a dream of mine. I, uh, I, I don't want to skim too 
quickly over baseball. Baseball is a big hobby of mine. Uh, I'm somebody who likes to tinker around in a lot of areas. I love to read. I read a hundred books last year uh, <laughs> because I, I just can't get enough. And it's like uh, two a week. It is like two a week. Wow. Yes, I, I stay I stay plenty busy. I I always think that the more reading I do, the more knowledge I have, and the more I can relate to people. Okay. Because anybody who comes in the in the door at synagogue wants to be able to feel like they I get them. And if I read enough and read broadly enough, I might be able to find a connection. And they always come in with questions, I would oh, think, Oh, people like to ask questions. Yes, yes. And yes, I like, yes. to, like to engage have with Have an them, answer. So. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, when we can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So right. speaking of our mitzvahs, 50 right. years ago, there's okay, a, a so number I'll of really this. good ones. Yeah. Okay, so Mr. and Mrs. Melvin Fisher are happy to announce the bar mitzvah of their son, Michael Fisher, on Saturday, May 6th at 9 a.m. at Adith Israel Synagogue Ridge, and Galbraith Road. Michael is the grandson of Mr. and Mrs. Lewis Lerner and Mrs. Helen Fisher and the late William Fisher. Mrs. Clara Essig is Michael's great-grandmother. Wow. Um, also, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Smith proudly announced the forthcoming bar mitzvah of their son, Robert Allen Smith, on Saturday, April 22nd at 9 a.m. at Golf Manor Synagogue. Robert is the grandson of Mr. and Mrs. Sidney R. Smith. And then also, we've got two more. Mm -hmm. This is cool. This was a double. All right. Bas Mitzvah. Well, you would say, wouldn't you say Benot Mitzvah? That is correct. All right. Our daughters, Cynthia Ellen Caper, Cindy Caper, uh, who went to Wanted Hill. She was a 77. And Gail Deborah Jacobs, who we all know from Adith Israel, right. running the uh, kitchen department mm -hmm. and the food department, uh, will participate in the Shabbat service and chant the Hath Torah on the occasion of their combined Bas Mitzvahs. Friday, April 28th at 8.15 p.m. And there's another M there. You don't need two Ms. At Adith Israel Synagogue Ridge and Galbraith Roads, Gail and Cindy and Gail are the granddaughters of Mr. and Mrs. Aaron Wolf. Uh, Gail's paternal grandparents are Mr. Robert Jacobs and the late Mr. Mr. Robert ja Mrs. Robert Jacobs and the late Mr. Robert Jacobs. Cindy's paternal grandparents are the late Mr. and Mrs. Sam Caper. So their moms were sisters. Oh, that's so why. Yes. That's, uh, I and think members it's Kareen, Kareen Caper, because she used mm -hmm. to call up for her paper once in a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. So their, their moms Gail, are sisters. Ah, and that Gail's mom. And is, very active still in Adith, all of you them. See, I go see them, yeah. yeah all of them, yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, active. There, yeah. So a uh, mazel tov to every one of them. On their 50th and, anniversary and all, of becoming a Well, it's also their birthdays, their birthdays. So yeah, happy birthday yeah. to everybody. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and at this point, you know, they were 13, 50 years ago. They're only 20 years away from their second uh, right. opportunity for a bar mitzvah. And I'm trying, you know, Ted had not had a bar mitzvah. He, has not be, he is a bar mitzvah, but he not, did not have a... The and ceremony. I've been trying to get ceremony, him to exactly. become a bar mitzvah and host a kiddush, because you know, if you he finds out... You just want me out, to host a kiddush, that's all. If he finds out that Valley Temple has a big kiddush, he's going to be over there no matter what. He's he's there for kiddushes. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> he's a kiddush hopper, as we like I, to I, say. Yeah, I'm a kiddush hopper. I am a kiddush hopper. All right, so you want to do... 25 the, years ago yeah. under births. That's yeah. another great thing. So Amy Petrikoff and Michael Peskovitz announced the birth of a daughter, Jamie Elise, April 1st. Jamie has two brothers, Daniel and Andrew. Grandparents are Judy and Mark Petrikoff and Shirley and Harold Peskovitz and the late Anita Peskovitz. So these are just names, Cincinnati names, Peskovitz. Right, so I, I think I've told you this story before, but Harold Peskovitz was Dr. Harold Peskovitz. Right. And one day during the summer when I was doing a backflip off the diving board at, at uh, um, 
it wasn't Crest Hills Country Club. It was the uh, uh, it Clinton, Sp- Clinton, Spring. Spring. Clinton Springs Country Club where I belong because I lived in North Avondale. I hit my head on the back of the board. And if you look really closely, you'll see a scar there. And uh, he sewed me up. And because uh, I, I was learning how to do Jay Lask was teaching me how to do his backflip. And I one time I hit the board. Yeah. And I went in and I came out and my head was bleeding. And I was so afraid to go tell my mom my head was bleeding. I ran into the bathroom and I looked and I went, ah, my head's bleeding. <laughs> I had a flap of skin. It, 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 it was a flap of skin. And I had to run out to my mom and she goes, oh, God. you know, she's, you know, you know my, your mom, your mom yeah. would be like, what the hell have you done now? And she's like, you know, is there a doctor, doctor? And Harold was like laying down. He goes, okay, like, come here. Let me take a look at you. Okay. And he took me, took me in his car over to the hospital. I'm in this big operating room. And he's like, sews me up. He goes, okay, you'll be fine. Just, you know, just go back to. He don't shoved go, the brains like, back in there he's too. He's like, don't, don't go swimming the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he said to me. Don't go swimming anymore today. Okay. I said, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, okay. under 10 years ago, Israeli uh, female scientist Naame Gavi Zardrotsky is named the Europe's top young researcher. So, she's still active today. She has started her own biotech firm called Biotax. Um, she went on further in, and studied further at Technion University. And so, this is about that personalized way of handling different um, cancers and things where they diagnose you and they use your DNA and they go through and they find out exactly well, do what... Do they do that from a, a, a blood thing? Yeah, it's all done through so blood. So, like Theranos. And, yeah. But, it's, it's but a, Theranos was not legitimate. Was this not, is, but yeah. no, this is, all right, so they can take like a little drop of blood and they can diagnose well, you they, from like that. Right, they take scans and they take all kinds of things and they actually figure out exactly what's wrong and then they okay. put place placers okay. in them. Yep. So, moving on. So, in is today in Israel history, so right. amazingly, um, on April 26, 1881, pogroms hit Kiev. So, we still got problems going on there. We've already discussed this, but this is what was going on then as far as anti-Jewish violence. Now it's just anti-Ukrainian violence. Okay. Um, All right, well, anyway, you got Jews in the News on 21, and today in Israel his, Israeli history. Good stuff to read. So, China Gourmet is what Bob Wilhelmy is um, reviewing this week. So, Rabbi, tell us, what's your favorite Jewish food? Well, uh, it's a leading question because, of course, Chinese food on Christmas might be my favorite. But uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Well, yeah, depending on the minhag hamakom. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of all things Hanukkah. So, I'm okay. a big fan of latkes. I'm a big fan Fried of foods. Uh, donuts. Yeah, that's, that's my... Uh, Sufgani Exactly. So, that's, that's my favorite. All right. So, uh, Iris has a column this week, and she's always good. And then in Arts and Entertainment, we have a story about Ken Burns' next documentary, which is about the U.S. response to the Holocaust. So, he goes through those historic times, and I don't, I don't know if it's out yet, but it will be out, and um, it's, it's interesting reading. All right, so we get to... Death notices. And, you know, these are both really interesting stories. So this uh, uh, Andor Stern um, was born in Brazil, but then his family decided to return back to Europe, to Hungary. When did they come back? They went back right before World War II. In 1928. Yeah, well, they... Like like about five, six years before the Holocaust. And they stayed there, and they were both... They were brought into the concentration camps, and he survived the camps. Um, Most of his family was taken out, and... um, he went back and went back to Rio de Janeiro to live. So it's a, a, it's a sad story that they went back and, and were taken. Um, under Gilbert Godfrey, of course, this is quite a loss in the comedy world. 
He was only 67, and he had a, I believe it was, it says a long illness. I think it was a, maybe a kidney issue. Okay. Um, oh, it says myotrophic. Suffered, he suffered yeah. a heart condition. So I was wrong. But anyway, in the meantime, there is a funny story. So he talks about him telling this, the, the joke, the aristocrats, which is supposed to be the, the naughtiest, most filthy joke um, in the whole wide world, there's actually a, a show about this this joke and all different comedians telling this joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also was famous because right after 9-11, he was the first one to tell a joke. And he almost lost the crowd, but then he came back and he told the aristocrat jokes and kind of realized, you know, people realize they have to have humor in their life. You have to have humor, which is also what Iris Pastor talked about in her column this week. But I think the funniest story of all in this obituary is that during his daughter's 2020... Uh, virtual bat mitzvah. Right. A guest who was on the virtual Zoom, who was 70 years old, mm-hmm. undressed and took a shower during the Zoom and was caught on the video. Okay, so she's talking on the Zoom. She's got the video going. Right, the little girl. And she girl. decides that... No, no, the girl is on the Zoom doing her bat mitzvah. Oh, oh, and, 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 and the, the guest. woman is wa- The guest is watching, she, but she's also on video. Right, because she, she didn't, didn't take her, off didn't, her video, okay. right. So she's obviously watching near her bathroom. Instead of, like, sitting at your desk or something like that, she's Correct. in the bedroom, and the bathroom is right there. And yes. so she's got it set up, and it's looking into the bathroom, into the bathroom shower. Right. She takes her clothes off, goes into the shower, and, and starts taking a shower, and still, and then comes back, and then still doesn't realize she's got the video on. No, and you know this is not the. You know, I believe that there is going to be somebody who is going to do a show a of all the bloopers on these. I mean, we know that the Supreme Court, someone flushed the toilet during the Supreme Court hearings. Yes, um, we have. There's a number of major bloopers that have gone on. There was a, a, a TV reporter who had no pants on, and that was caught. <laughs> um, these are things that well, are... So, anyway, so Gilbert, um, he was married to Dara. Right. And uh, he, he, she must be, he's 67, she must be younger. She was about 10 years younger from what okay. I understand. I mean, yeah. they have several children. Yes. And um, so that's, it's sad it's because... It's sad. Uh, um, all right, so moving on to local death notices. We have uh, Edward Katz, and uh, he was age 92, April 15, 2022, 14 Nissan, 5782. And he was actually a uh, Coast Guard auxiliarist with oh. me. And he was in 5-3. And he knew and uh, Leo Yakutis, who's the uh, division commander and a friend of mine. And also, he was friends with Jory Edlin, oh. who used, is from since, you know, here. Wow. Yeah. So we have Helma uh, Apple, knee Weissman, age 95, April 14th, 2022, the 13th of Nissan, 5782. And I also would like to mention my friend Cindy Fazio, who passed away April 14th. Um, she was 62 years old, and she was with the Hamilton County prosecutor, a very well-known prosecutor a- among the judges. And um, so that was a big loss. So may all of their memories be for a, br- a blessing. All right. And so uh, this... Saturday, I can't make it because it's Shabbat, but the American Israelite will be participating in the Blue Ash Summit Park uh, 2022 Earth Day Festival at the Blue Ash Summit Park again, as I said, which is the old uh, airport. Uh, we will have a couple representatives there just representing us, and uh, we will be uh, well represented. Let's just put it that way. I, it's, it's good to hear. Okay, now we will get to... Bad joke of the week. All right. 
So this is from, now pay attention, everyone. So you have to pay attention to my jokes because I, you know, I'm not going to explain them twice. I'm not going to explain you. So this is from the Encyclopedia of Jewish Humor from Biblical Times to the Modern Age, compiled and edited by Henry D. Spalding. Ready? Painless Petrovsky, the Orchard Street dentist, finished his examination of the patient's mouth. Well, Miss Flagel, he said, I'm afraid I'll have to extract your wisdom teeth. Oy vey, Mrs. Flagel squealed. I'd rather have a baby. Look, make up your mind, snapped Painless Petrovsky, so I can adjust the, tr- the chair accordingly. Ha, 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 ha. So speaking of funny columns... What's your favorite column in the American <laughs> Israelite, Rabbi Zoot? To be honest, my favorite uh, piece of the paper is, is the front page. And the reason the front page is so uh, meaningful to me is because I, I love to see the way we honor some of the cool and exciting things happening in our city. Um, I've had the privilege of being on the front page as, uh, as my installation took place. And uh, I had a colleague who was just on the front page not that long ago for her own installation. And uh, it's such an opportunity. I love walking to my office and seeing the stack of papers there and seeing what is the thing that's catching our eye this week. What's, What's the top story for exactly. the week? Exactly. And I love that, that pop of color and that, that front page that tells us, you know, something cool's going on in our community. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan. Well, you know, HUC and the American Israelite are all wrapped up in Rabbi Isaac Mayer Wise. And, I mean, I think, when I think about Rabbi Wise, I think about, you know, I I mentioned this many, many, many times over. He came to this country from Germany. I'm sure his English was not 100%. He started a newspaper. He started the Union of American Hebrew Congregations. He started a rabbinical school that actually was an elementary school also at the same time. He educated men and women. He was very big on allowing women to do things. And he had 14 children with two women. I always like to say it's with two women, not not one uterus, but he used two in the process. And he, to me, he is, he's one of my heroes, and I don't know, I don't know about you, but who, who is a hero to you, Rabbi? Well, it's hard to follow Isaac Mayer-wise. Um, <laughs> I'm trying, though, but I'm trying. <laughs> I, I certainly admire the work he did, and I, what I love about uh, Rabbi Wise is, is his innovative creativity around looking at a new horizon and saying, how do we, how do we make this work? Hmm. Um, I had mentioned I'm a, I'm, I'm somebody who aspires to write one day, and, uh, one of my favorite writers is Michael Lewis, who wrote uh, things like Moneyball, uh, which uh-huh. is a baseball analytics book. But also, he's he's written on politics. He's written on uh, uh, the, the his latest book, The Premonition, is about the response to uh, the pandemic. And what I love is he's able to tell these stories that use data and use evidence, but he tells the story from the human side. He brings in people to show just how amazing the world can be and and how complicated and 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 meaningful it can be. Um, and so he, one of my, one of my favorite books of his, um, explores how uh, scientists in Israel actually were, were exploring uh, our own ability to make statistical decisions. And it was such a fascinating book. And I, I love the way he shares stories and I love the way he makes people think, which uh, if, if I could do one thing in my life, it's help make people think. Yeah. Well, you certainly made us think today, and it's really been nice to get to know you, a Lonsman from Mecca, and uh, I okay. love your accent. I love your accent. I can't wait to go home and what work accent? on my accent. What accent are you yeah. talking about? I come from Transylvania. So it's really been nice to have you as part of our series, Conversations with the Rabbi, and get to see a rabbi outside of, you know, being at the pulpit. Just a regular, the just a regular dude. guy. Regular Thank dude. you for having me. I just appreciate it. 
and we really enjoyed it. And thank you for your time. It was an honor for us. And we want to wish everyone a good week. Next week is well, Pam Geller substituting for me. Yes. So, so uh, she well, can be the queen of the Israelite next Well, we week. want to say, you know, everybody had a last couple of days of Pesach. A got delicious a great Pesach, Pesach, a meaningful, and, a redemptive Pesach. Uh, you know, Pesach. you get to go eat some bread starting Saturday night or go to the Mamuna and eat some, some uh, really tasty treats that they're going to have. Yes. Um, and then uh, maybe next week have a nice big slice of pizza. Yep. I'm looking uh, forward to it. All right. I already got the dough going. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in the meantime, thank you. Have a good week. Shavua Tov to everyone, and I'll be back in two weeks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.